0: You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at The River. Now tonight I'm going to be ministering on the topic of walls. And when I talk about walls, I'm talking about walls that people put up in their lives. Walls that people put up in their life when it comes to their career, comes to relationships. And I'm going to show you that walls will prevent your faith. And in other words, it will put limits on your faith. Put limits on what your faith can believe for. Put limits on what your faith can experience in Christ now in your life. And so what we want to do is learn how to tear down those walls so that we can be able to believe to the measure that God has called us to have in our lives. Can you say amen? Now, I want to take this from a story in the book of Genesis, if you would look up at the screen. And this is a story. We'll just read the whole thing. It says So Abraham rose early in the morning, took bread and skin of water, and putting it on his shoulder, he gave it and the boy to Haggai and sent her away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Bathsheba. Sheba. And the water in the skin was used up, and she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. Then she went and she sat down across from him at the distance of about a bow shot. For she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite him, lifted her voice, and wept. And God heard the voice, make a note of this, of the lad. Say of the lad. Say it again, of the lad. Then the angel of God called Hagar out of heaven and said to her, what ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. This is a very interesting story. If you remember the background on it, how many have ever had so many things go wrong with a relationship that you have this expression, there's too much water under the bridge, we can't restore the relationship. That's exactly what happened to the servant of Sarah because she she had become impatient because she hadn't been able to have the child that she desired. So she told her husband, she said, I want you to sleep with my bond servant so that she can have a child because if I don't get a child, I'm going to die. You know, She's in one of those places where if God doesn't come through, she just feels like giving up. Well, he went ahead and did it because he's a stupid man and created this mess. And this lad, he's gotta be somewhere after 13 years old because the contention they had between him and the child that supernaturally was given to Sarah was at, was at the age of 13. So I don't know exactly his age, but he's not a toddler, he's not a baby, he's an older boy. Now, what's interesting about the story is this. She was weeping. She was emotionally distressed. And yet, she prayed and God didn't hear her. God only heard her need based on her son praying in faith for that need to be met. So, somehow, Abraham had trained This young boy about God, and he had faith because it repeats several times that that God had heard them because of the lad's faith. Now that's powerful to me. It actually confirms something I said Sunday morning at the end of the service. I said this I said, God is not moved by your need, He's moved by what? Your faith. And it's not that God doesn't feel bad when our needs are not met. It's just that he cannot move legally into our lives and provide for our families and provide for our children and, and do the miracles he wants to do without us using our faith. He can't do it. And one of the reasons why, you can write this down for reference, is found in Psalms 115, verse 16. It says that the heavens belong to God, But the earth and the fullness of God has given to man. In other words, when God created creation, he gave or leased out, if we could use that term, to Adam all of his creation until an appointed time. And so God needs permission in one respect to come into your life and change it. And that's why in the story, even though the, the, the woman was crying and upset over the years, she had built up walls inside of herself, just like Sarah, to a point that they couldn't reconcile. Too much water under the bridge. And she was seeking God out of that, out of the pain that she was under, but God wouldn't listen to her, wouldn't respond to her because he needs faith. And so I want you to see that, and always remember this, that God is easily touched with the feelings of affirmity, but he can't move in your life until you boldly come to him uh, and receive in grace what he has offered for you by faith. Are you following me so far? In fact, this has been emphasized in Isaiah uh, 7, 9. I'll give it to you in the NIV translation. It says this. It says, if you do not stand firm on your faith you will not stand at all. The King James Version says this. It says, if you do not believe, surely you shall not be established. I like that translation a little bit better. And so the emphasis is, listen, even though God is grieved when we're in need and he's touched with the problems that we have and the pain that we go through, He needs your faith to get the breakthrough. And here's here's the problem. If you and I allow these walls to be built into our lives, it will limit what we can do. See, the problem with the mother here is that she was driven by her emotions. Her emotions were dominating her. And emotions can't get your prayers answered. Say amen, everybody. Amen. You can cry and you can bawl and squall all you want. It won't get you healed. It won't get you to prosper or anything else. There has to be faith applied. And that's what we learn from this particular story that's really powerful. And listen, God dislikes it when you're failing your life. He dislikes it. In Ezekiel, it says that God finds no delight in the death of the wicked. He not delight light when you don't have enough money to pay your mortgage. He doesn't delight when you don't get healed. He doesn't delight when uh, uh, your marriage is unreconcilable. He doesn't delight when the desires of your heart do not have it. He doesn't delight in that. But he's waiting for your faith to be released so that you can receive the breakthrough that God has called you to have in your life. And everybody that was excited about that said Amen. So again, remember the the revelation I gave you Sunday. God's not moved by your need. He's moved by your faith. It gives him that legal action to come in and restore and rebuild. But if I allow walls to build in my life, and let me tell you what a wall is. A wall comes from some type of fear that you're afraid of. See, walls do two things. They keep things in and they keep things out. And many people have walls because of the fear of rejection, the fear of failure, the fear of uh, being not hurt, the fear of not being noticed. And when that fear is there, it creates this wall. And the problem is, uh, what you do is you try to avoid that fear and that limits your faith because fear and faith won't work together. So walls in your life weaken your faith. It limits what you can believe God for. And it stops the breakthrough that God intends for you to have in your life. A good example is, this, is the story of Lazarus. Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus. How would you like to be a good friend of Jesus? Amen? I mean, when, when the scriptures say he's a friend, that's pretty good stuff. Well, he ends up being sick, and they sent for him, Mary and Martha, but the Lord leads him not to go. So he delays. And in the process, Lazarus dies. Now, of course, God's going to do something great, but nevertheless, this is very painful. So in fact, it's the only scripture in the Bible that records that Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. And it says that he wept. Jesus was moved with compassion when he finally arrived at where Lazarus, his friend, had died. But when he goes to Martha and then ends up with Mary, he told Mary very clearly That if you believe what I'm telling you to do, you're going to see the glory of God. But in the story, you find him where all of a sudden she begins to doubt. And she starts talking about the resurrection and all this stuff. She starts doubting. And Jesus stops and says, wait a minute. Don't you remember what I told you? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. So he had to get her to put down that emotion. The grief she was going through and get her to put her faith back up on top instead of allowing the grief to control her life. Are you following me? The miracle wouldn't have happened without that because God just doesn't do things without people's faith. Now, now, most theologians, most godly men that have been in faith for a long time will say that they believe that at least 99% of what God does in the earth, he does it through his people. But maybe there is 1% that he just does whatever he wants. But I'm I'm pushing on the 99. Can you say amen? Amen. So if you're in that boat and you have these walls built up in your life towards your spouse, towards a friend, towards a church, towards friends, towards uh, someone that has mistreated you, whatever, when you do that, it, it literally what you're doing is saying, okay, whatever that fear is in my life of being rejected again, has become a wall in my life. And so what I want to do is I want to avoid anything that is associated with that fear. And the problem with doing that is then your faith won't work because you've allowed that emotion to become Lord of your life rather than Christ. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good right now. And that's one thing when you study the life of Jesus and the miracles he did. He always dealt with the emotions of people who placed it above believing God. I like the guy that son, they couldn't get the devil cast out, came to Jesus and he says, if you can do anything, help, help us. Now, if he would have asked me, I would have said, yeah, hey, we're going to help you. We understand what you're going through. But what does Jesus say? He didn't do that. He says, that if you can believe, all things are possible. So he was always hitting what would work, not what necessarily is common to men, but what would work. And what works for a Christian is when we don't allow any walls in our life to be built from the fears in our lives, from our failures, from our mistakes, from what other people say, we don't allow that in our life. See, here's here's what I've learned over the years, that faith in itself won't work unless it's activated, but whatever you activate has to have faith behind it. It isn't about just doing good things. It's about doing good things in faith. It's not just about giving in an offering because the pastor says you need the money. It's about giving in faith in the offering. Because you believe as you do, God will multiply back to you the seed that was sown. It's not about just forgiving. It's about forgiving that you know that the blessings of walking in a forgiven life are given to those who forgive. It's a faith proposition. I heard this story years ago, and it really illustrates the, how faith and works works work together. In this particular story, there was a fellow, he, he had this boat. And what he would do is he would charge people to take them to the other side of the, the river in this little boat. And in his boat, he, it was a short distance. And on each oar, he had carved out two words, one on one, on one oar was faith, the, on the other oar was works. One day, he's taking a family over the other side and there's a little boy in the boat with him. And he said to the man that was on the oars, he said, what is that? Why do you have faith on one oar and works on another? And he stops out in the middle of the river and he says, for this reason, he says, if you just do works and he took the oar and he started doing it and the boat started going around in circles. He says, if you just do works, you're not going anywhere. And he says, if you just do faith, same thing happened. Nothing's going to work. But he says, if you do both together, you'll cross over. And I always love that story because it is so true. It's easy to say you have faith. But is your faith to the point that you're acting on what you believe? I'm acting on what I believe. I'm responding towards my spouse because I have faith that when I do, good is going to happen from it. Are you following me? So tonight as you look at yourself, how many walls are in your life? How many things in your life do you try to avoid that are from walls? I've seen people that are afraid to fly. They just ride on trains and buses. That's something in the natural, but it's still, it's the same thing. Or how about this one? I'm never going to get married again. This is the fourth time. I'm never going to do it again. Now, what they're saying, they've got a wall. The wall is, I've been burned four times. I have a fear of committing to someone again and losing the relationship that I committed to. So for the rest of their life if they allow that their faith never soars in that area. They're never able to believe the wonderful things that God has for families. The wonderful thing that God has for relationships simply because there's a wall in their life. And you've probably met people like this in church that have went from church to church and I call them blood clots in the body of Christ not to be negative but they've got offended and since they got offended once, they never open up completely to anybody again. So when they go to another church because they don't open up, you can't minister them. You can't become one in spirit with them and they just end up getting offended again. It's a, It's And they just go around from place to place hoping things will change when the problem is them. It isn't the people. People are all weird. God didn't save people that were perfect. He saved people that were imperfect. Amen. In a family, you got some kids that are quiet. You got some kids that are loud. You got some kids that never. They they they're just some things they just never seem to get. And there's other kids that get it right the first time. You you have variations, but we don't cast them. and say, huh? No, nope. we're putting you outside, son. You've just been too weird lately. Uh, Go to another neighbor. We don't want you anymore. We don't do that. Well, we don't do that to people in church either. Hallelujah. But walls are something that is really predominant in people's lives. And we all go through those setbacks, those hurts, those pains. The thing that we're pain. oh, that hurts so bad. I I just can't bear to bear it again. You know what I'm talking about. But here's something that has always helped me over the years. When you came to Christ, what did you do? Romans 10 says, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. What did you do? You believed from your heart that Jesus rose from the dead and God rose him up. And then you confessed Jesus as Lord. Say, Lord. So you were saved because you believed that God was Lord over your life. The problem with a lot of people are is we don't, we may exercise lordship maybe in outward behavior, but we don't exercise his lordship in the way we think. We don't exercise his lordship with our attitudes. We don't exercise his lordship on those imaginations that we get. In other words, we do outward things sometimes, but not always inward. If you're going to remove the walls in your life, he's got to be Lord over your thought life, over your imagination, over your perception, over the way that you look at things. He's got to be Lord over everything. And if you do that, you'll be able to tear down the walls. But if you don't, See, people, when you talk to people that are offended with other people and you say, well, you, you've forgiven them. Yeah, I've forgiven them. Well, how come you're sitting on the other side of the church then? Well, I just don't want to be around them. See, 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 they're Lord, Jesus' Lord on the outside but not on the inside. If he was Lord on the inside, it wouldn't matter where you sit. Am I just preaching to some sheep here or do I have some goats I'm preaching to? Come on. It's true. So, lordship theology is, listen, i got to make Jesus Lord of my attitude, my thinking, my mindset, everything in my life. In other words, as the Lord reveals to me what his will is, I need to submit to it. Because people who have walls haven't submitted to that part in their life, and they run into trouble. Uh, To give you an example of this, and this will help you, Paul talked about this. He says, I want you to hold on to the eternal life that that I gave you. But also, he says, I want you to hold fast to the good confession of faith. Say good confession of faith. Now, he's not talking about the confession of sins. This is in 1 Timothy 6.12. He said, I want you to hold on to the good confession of faith. In other words, I want you to continue to confess what my word says, what my will is in your life. And a lot of people don't understand the importance of that. If Jesus is not Lord of your confession, you're going to have walls in your life. If you remember the story of Ab- or, or Abram and Sarai, before their names were changed, God said, I'm going to give you a child. I want you just to do one thing. I want you both of you guys to change your name. I want you to change your confession. Now, when Abraham went to Abram, to Abraham as a father of many nations. And he had to say that before there was one child conceived. And Sarah's name, likewise, was changed. Now, this is very important because she's 90 years old and he's almost 100. So the confession brought possession physically in their life where they're able to have the child. But how many know if you have a child at 90 years old, the chance of having a miscarriage is unbelievably high? Just the survival rate is unbelievably high. Can you say amen? And so the confession wasn't just to get the miracle. It was also to keep the miracle. For God said that your seed was going to multiply Like the stars of the sky. Well, if Isaac had died prematurely or died as a teenager or a young man, that never would have happened. So the confession is what sealed it and protected him as the child grew. And we know that Sarai, she was not a woman of faith in the beginning. She laughed when she heard heard that she was going to have a child. She said, Am I gonna have good uh, this pleasure now? Later on in life? uh, But you know, she finally believed, but at first, her first response was, No way. But God came through because they confessed it and God brought it into existence. Here's the power in this. Walls will always be built up in your life if you don't bridle your mouth. Always, because you'll speak your fears. You'll speak your hurts. You'll speak your pains, and every time you do, a brick is built in your wall, and it gets more and more and more and more and more. Hallelujah. I remember a story. I'm not going to mention the preacher, but if I mention his name, you'd all know who he is. I remember listening to a story that he said in his own personal life. Now, he was traveling around doing many crusades. And his wife, got, uh, she, uh, they got pregnant, and she had a baby boy. So after the, bo- the boy was delivered, the doctors told them some really bad news about the boy. Said the boy's got this disease and is going to be dead within three or four years. And so he went into, I imagine, a chapel in the hospital. And he was in there, and here's what his mind was thinking. His mind was thinking, I should have said to God, Lord, I've sacrificed everything for you, and this is how you return me, and this is how you bless me. But he didn't. He said, I won't say it out of my mouth. And he made Jesus Lord. Well, his son was healed years later. But that's the difference, see? He wouldn't allow his feelings to give place to his fears. If he would have done that, there would have been a wall in his life that would have prevented his faith from working and excelling in his life in a great way. See, I I want you to hear me from my heart. Every one of you that have called on the name of the Lord is a special person. You're not average. You're not normal. You're above normal. You're not ordinary, you're extraordinary. You're not just okay. You are chosen by God. When people are chosen, there's something special that God wants to use in their life. They're chosen for special purposes, special miracles, special things. That—that's what you see. We can't afford to get walls in our lives. Because Satan will always try to come in with fear and build those walls so that our faith is limited because we were chosen for special things. Look at this verse in Joel 2. It's powerful. It says, Blow the trumpet of Zion. Sound the alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the habits of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. Now watch this next part. The day of darkness and gloominess and the day of clouds and thick darkness. Like the morning clouds spread over the mountains, a people come great and strong, like of whom has never been, nor will there ever be any such after them, even for many successive generations. It's talking about us. At the cross, darkness came over the earth. It's us. Man, that's smoking stuff. In other words, he's saying the church is, uh, there's gonna be a group of people from the church that are so awesome There'll never be anyone as awesome as they are again. That's you. send that that's you. Look at this next verse. This is found in uh, uh, Isaiah eight, 18. Listen to this. You are for a purpose. Here, here I am, children whom the Lord has given me. We are signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwell in, the, in Mount Zion. You are a sign and a wonder. God wants people to look at your life and go, Whoa, look what the Lord has done. You remember that song? Look what the Lord has done. Come on, it's good. You are special. We can't afford to have walls in our lives because your faith will be limited. You're allowing fear in your life. Fear of not being accepted, fear of being rejected, fear of not being understood, fear of being alone. How many of you know people like that? They're afraid of being alone. Afraid of being alone. I've seen so many people that are afraid of being alone. They'll do anything. I remember talking to a relative one time, and she had given her life to Christ. And she got saved, but she was didn't want to be alone. And she's living with a guy, and I said, You gotta quit this. You called on the name of the Lord. Well, I'd like to, but I don't want to be alone and I'll lose some of my social security if I get married. Ah, hopefully God's a lot more understanding than I was. But people are controlled by these walls. Their faith doesn't soar. It doesn't grow. It doesn't reach the place that God has called it to be in their life. It becomes small. Now, I'm going to show you something in the close of this message here that will show you how to tear down these walls and show you that the best that God has is not possible if you've got walls in your life. You've got to tear them down. The illustration I want to give you is Jericho. Say Jericho. When Joshua went into the promised land, he had some big shoes to fill, and that was Moses' shoes. But one of the cities that had to be defeated was Jericho. That was the gateway into the promised land. If you don't conquer Jericho, you're not getting in anything. There's a reason why in the Bible it says that the walls fell down. Because that was the gateway into the greater blessings that God has for them. And Jericho, if you don't know, know this, was so white on top they had chariot races on top. So, in the day that it was built, it was a, one of the 10 wonders of the world. And yet, here's a group of people that have never been trained in military, They've, they, they don't have chariots and horses. They don't have catapults. They don't have all the weaponry that armies had at that time. And yet Joshua knows he can't possess the land unless they destroy Jericho. And Jericho had those walls. See, in your life, you have walls, and they're built brick by brick. It isn't just one big wall. It's one little brick. Another little brick, nether little brick, another little brick, until all of a sudden you are wound in with all these bricks. What's the brick in your life tonight? Is it insecurity? See, a man would never admit it, but they can be very insecure. Say amen. In fact, why don't you stand up here while I preach this last part. Is that okay? What kind of bricks you got? I know I've had some. They all got the same thing. They're all made with the same thing, fear. Fear, fear, fear of not being understood. Fear of not comprehending, fear of missing your window. Fear of losing that opportunity that might come only once in a lifetime. Fear. And relationships, they're notorious for creating walls in people's lives. Ever known people, and this is usually true with successful people, they're very private people. That's because of walls. Success oftentimes is at the expense of others. So many times there's walls in people that are very successful. But you don't have to be successful, you just be an ordinary dude. But had some bad relationships. But these walls are built one brick at a time, and, and people don't always think they have a problem when, in reality, they do. In fact, it's like the issue of trust. People want you to fully trust them, like you would Jesus. Trust is earned. It doesn't just come because I'm going to trust you. I mean, to a limited degree, but it's earned. That's why the longer a couple is married, the, the deeper the relationship gets, if you do it the way I'm telling you to do it, because you trust the other person more. I mean, your wife's not going to trust you if you're off at the bar or some topless joint. She's not, if she's smart, she won't trust you there. Can you say Amen. Come on, guys, help me out here. Just being honest with you about how how it works. But trust comes from this season where you were reliable. And you were there. But if the relationships went sour, then your fear of trusting somebody again, I can't trust anybody. Every time they do, they take advantage. Every time they do, they stick the knife in the back and they turn it. And there's these walls that come up. Now here's what happens, and I want you to see this. Walls in your life are there when you avoid the things you're afraid of. You avoid opening it up because you're afraid of what will happen if you do. You avoid committing because you committed before and you got burned. You avoid selling out because you did before and you got burned. So you build a wall by avoidance. I won't let that happen again because you're afraid, you're scared. You'll be hurt again to the same measure you were before, and even greater. That's how a wall is built. Now, how did they tear down Jericho? They marched around it for seven days, and on the seventh day, they shouted, and the walls come down. Why did God have them do that? Because for seven days, they didn't say anything. They were told to zip the old lip. Because if you remember, they didn't go into the promised land because of their mouths the first generation. So he says, I want you just to shut up and I want you to walk around that wall and I want you to envision that wall falling down for seven days. Just envision it falling down and then when I say so on the seventh day, I want you to shout. Now can you imagine all the things, all the stuff inside you would have after not saying anything for seven days? And you've been envisioning this, the wall's falling down, they shouted, and that wall didn't just tip over. They tell us it went straight down. All this rubble everywhere. Now watch. They had to be willing to run up on the rubble. They had to run through the rubble to possess the blessing that God had for them. They had to run through the rubble. Whew. Now Joshua, he could have said this. He could have said, well, Lord, I got a better idea. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go cut down some trees, and we're going to make a battering ram, and we're going to bust the wall down with that. And that's exactly what a lot of people do. They try to take their walls down by the flesh. You can't overcome the flesh with the flesh. You overcome the flesh by the spirit. It's got to be by faith. You can't do it. Let me give you an example of that in a marriage relationship where the wife punishes the husband or the husband punishes the wife by not talking to her, by by treating her not at the same way after an argument, whatever. I'm going to teach her that way. You're, You're trying to break the wall down by the flesh. All it does is create a bigger wall. It's got to be by faith. I said, it's got to be by faith or it won't work. So once the wall came down, they had to run over the rubble. And I thought about that tonight. You got, why does he say run over the rubble? Remember the, this is what he told Joshua. And he said, wherever the soles of your feet are, Wherever they tread, I'm giving you victory. So you had to run over the rubble of your fears. Run over the rubble of your anxiety. Run over the... Oh, glory to God. Run over that fear of rejection and tread on it. Tread on it. I'm more than a conqueror. Tread on it. I can do all things through Christ. Tread on it. That's what you got to do with these walls, I have no fear in me anymore. There's no fear here. There's no fear here. I'm going to tread on my insecurity. I'm going to tread on my rejection. I'm going to, come on, I'm going to tread on my, the misunderstandings. I'm going to tread on. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River app, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river and we're doing life together.